What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and welcome to episode 33 of Behind the Daw, where we interview artists and music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic level to get inside their heads, gather the best information, and then bring it back to you. By the way, this is a companion podcast to our YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time. If you're interested in that, there's a link in the description. And the best part of all of this is that it's free. Forever, no matter what. Our only request is that if you enjoy this podcast and it's really helping you along your musical journey, go ahead and check out the Behind the Daw Patreon and consider supporting the channel for just $1 a month. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, or you just want to talk, you can contact me at Wyatt at BehindTheDaw.net. All right, Daw Nation, let's get into it. Welcome everyone to this week of Behind the Daw. We are honored to be able to have Andre Benz, who is the CEO and founder of Trap Nation, House Nation, Chill Nation, Bass Nation, Indie Nation, R&B Nation, and Rap Nation. My man, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's a lot of nations. It is a lot of nations. And we got some nation-related questions that Cole, my buddy over here, they riled up and they're, oh, they're good. We'll get to those in a minute. But to start off, I got some I got some funny-ish, but very deep questions to kind of get your, get your mind going. Does that sound good? Yeah, go for it. All right. First question I got for you. In the word scent, like the scent of a pizza, the smell of a pizza, in the word scent, is the S silent or is the C silent? I'd say the C silent just because you're starting with an S, I guess. But if you if you take the S out, it's just, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. Sure. I know, I, I'd, t- I'd take the C out just because it still sounds good if you use scent with no C. It's true. In fact, we use it in English all the time. Sent like you sent a letter. I'm really glad we have you on here. We've been thinking about that for hours now, so thank you. You can take each letter out, and then it would still be a word. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. That's why it's confusing. Extra mind-blown. Like, one is S-E-N-T, and then one is, like, some money. Like, C-E-N-T. The next question I got for you is, is reading a book just staring at the tattooed remains of a tree and hallucinating for several hours. Is that really what like what we do? They just look at the tattooed remains of a tree and just hallucinate. Is that true? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. I don't know if it's hallucinating. I guess it's more like daydreaming or you're feeding your, your imagination with words. But it doesn't, it doesn't have to be on a page. You can do it, you can do it on a computer screen too. Dude, the Kindle is pretty big now, actually. That's kind of an alternative I'd say most people are using, but I guess back in the 1800s when they have books, yeah, I guess that's what it is. If you really... That's a good quick answer. You, get, you were on it, man. Way to go. I think about that every day. And then the last question I got for you before we really get into the the meats, the good stuff. Why is it that when you close one eye, you don't see anything? You don't even see black. But when you close both eyes, you see black. I mean, I'm definitely not a biologist or anything to do with the human body. I mean, I would just assume you can see on the other eye. One half is closed, obviously. Uh, But Uh, I don't know if you have ever noticed when you look down, you'll see both sides of your nose. Uh, for me, I see more in my right nose because my right nose curves or my nose curves to the right. Dude, me too. Uh, you, have you ever like looked down and done that and like your nose like kind of scared you? Like you were like so in depth <laughs> with something else where you like look down and you're like, oh my gosh, what was that? And you're like, oh man, that's just my big nose. Dude, honestly, no, but I mean, <laughs> I've been so aware of it just in general, like in, in class, I'm just sitting in class like all the time and just like wondering why your field of vision changes once you blink or like once you close one eye and the other eye, like, like objects will move, but they're not really moving. It's just because you're seeing them like two inches to the left or two inches to the right based on your eye. It took me a while to realize that when I was a kid, but 
finally Whoa. got to it. Thank you for indulging us in that. Do you feel like you're in a little bit deeper mindset now? Now we're good to go. I'm ready. Good, good. So here we go. We're about to dive deep. We're super excited to have you. Mr. Cole, what is the first question you have for Andre here? I did some research. The first upload on Trap Nation was back at October 16th of 2012, and it was Congo Rock and Sesco's track, Babylon. If you put yourself back in that mindset, did you ever imagine that you'd be where you are today after clicking that upload button for that track? No, definitely not. I mean, like, sitting that was a long time ago, about probably six years now, I guess. Or I guess if you, if you go to October 2018, yeah, it'd be six years. Not really. I mean, I, I started the channel mostly just because I thought it was cool to like have a branded playlist because that's really what it was at the time when I started it. And I, I usually tell most people this as well. It was acted as kind of like a playlist, but it was a playlist with a brand on it. And it was almost for like my private reasons, but it was like the ability to not have my name slapped on it. And I can share it to people, not in like a four, like I wouldn't share the channel to my friends necessarily, but I would just put it online for anyone to go into like a public domain and, and go view that playlist or listen to that playlist. I mean, that's kind of like why I started it. And, and I definitely didn't think it would be anywhere to where it is today in any kind of situation, but I'm very happy it is. It's like one of those things where I was really young I used to like look at look up to act not look up to them, but I'd be like, they're so they must be so lucky to get where they are. They're, they must be like the one out of the million to be that like famous person who just has so much money now that they're good for the rest of their life. And I was like, what what are the chances of that happening to an average person I know? Because when I went to high school or not when I finished high school, no one really came out of my high school in that like you know huge actor phase or huge sport um, illustration kind of page cover and thing like that they're all just like normal people that wear like work now blue collar jobs or go to college or whatnot. I never thought I'd be that person. Actually, I I never even thought in a million years I'd be that person just because I wasn't like super ambitious or or confident in school. But somehow, I mean, I'm definitely not famous, but I'm definitely in, in a different field of most people my age. So and definitely in our niche, you're famous, dude. You have the biggest YouTube promotional channel in our in our niche, like in, in electronic music. It's pretty crazy, I know. I'm assuming that a lot of people that are that are listening to this, they're really excited to get like secret insights into how, you know, how to submit tracks to you and to like how to get on the channel. But along that line of like submitting tracks to you and stuff like that, what is the cleverest thing that someone has done to get a track over to you or your team? And you're just like, that guy. That's smart. I check a lot of my submissions just because even if there's like no subject or there's really no compose line, obviously like if you have a really good subject line or, or a catchy, you know, catchy subject line, catchy compose line, it's a little bit easier to listen to the song and you have more incentive to do so. But I listen to every song mostly because some of the biggest songs on my channels were just submissions from like nobody's that didn't know how to format an email. So that with that kind of precedent sent, I was like, you know what? You know, you never know like what you're going to get in email. And some of these kids are really talented, especially when, you know, electronic music is all on the PC or, you know, using software now. A lot of these kids can just go out there and do it, but they don't understand how to form an email. So I check yeah. out my emails no matter what. But I'd say like the most clever subject, this guy, and this this works for me specifically just like, like of my personality traits, but this guy just did the subject. And I think he, he did something like, it was like super vulgar. Like he just did like a super explicit subject line or something like <laughs> But like for most people, you're like they they would think, well, that never happens. But like when you work with like younger as a younger producer and stuff like that, most of these kids have no idea what to say. And they he probably submitted a ton of songs before and never got my attention. It was just like, oh, I might as well try it because he's never uploaded my music before. The song wasn't good nonetheless, but he did get my attention and I replied back. And I, I wasn't angry at all. I was like, oh, kudos to you to trying something different. Uh, so I, I embrace it for sure. And some of these corporate companies, if you do something like that, they'll be like, oh, I'm never talking to that guy again. Yeah. But it's like, you know, <laughs> if you don't live in a financial accounting system, it's it's not, it's not a totally different uh, like corporate mindset. You have to understand like some of these kids just want attention. If that's what they're going to do, that's fine. And I'm fine with it. But other people won't take it the same way. And I can't control that. So what type of mindset do you have to like maintain 
as the head of such like an, a large and inspirational, I guess, kind of a cultivation of music? Like what kind of mindset do you kind of have to have on a day-to-day basis to like, to like run that well-oiled machine? I'm pretty hard on myself when it comes to like expectations. Uh, I always set the bar super, super high just because it's like, if you never meet the bar, you can just keep it going kind of thing. It's two separate things. Like when I'm curating music, I'm in the mindset of like my, my job, my entire career is built off good music on my channel. So that's my number one priority is always finding good music. And if anything gets in the, in the way of that, then I, that's a huge problem for me. I need to figure out how to solve that, whether it's hiring someone to do something for me, uh, whether it's like accounting, obviously you want to hire an account for accounting certain purposes, and I'm not going to do accounting or finance in my company. But over the last few years, especially when I started the company, my whole thing was like, oh, I can do everything. I'm really good at everything. I'm going to handle accounting. I'm going to handle finances. And I literally sit down at my desk, my like little 18-year-old self would sit down at my desk and just go through <laughs> pages and pages of expenses that I would do and I'd flag everything that I could write off and I'd do my own taxes on on TurboTax or whatever because my parents told me how to do it on there and I was like I'm such a cool business guy like I'm such a cool entrepreneur or whatever it was like just thinking you know when you when you go back to that age and you have like all those responsibilities you think you're very cool for doing them all and then later down the road I was like wow all this dumb that I'm doing thinking it's really cool is getting in the way of what my actual like priority should be which is finding music and then eventually I started hiring people to do a lot of stuff for me but my mindset right now of running the company is it's just I, I have an issue with communication, so I, I really want to make sure communication is really solid inside my company. Um, and everything, like initiatives that we have and goals that we have, just to make sure we reach them. And you know, if we have something like, okay, we want to sign 400 records, we want 10 of those 400 records to be above 20 million streams. Yeah, we may not hit that, but let's have a goal and like, let's try our hardest to make sure that happens. I and mean, if we don't hit it, let's figure out what went wrong and what we did really well and just focus on what we did really well and then flip the wrongs into rights and just keep doing better. And it's been doing pretty well. Like I've kind of had this mindset for the last like year and I'd say the company has definitely grown slimmer in, term, in terms of like headcount and it's also just worked a lot better in terms of communication and people working a lot more efficient than before. And my whole thing in, with the music industry is a lot of the people that get hired in music, you know, they're not, some of the people that, that do get at the top aren't the smartest people. You, you got to compare like music to uh, tech. Like tech is a very smart, intelligent driven like field to work in. A lot mm-hmm. of people that work in it are, are extremely intelligent people and they're intelligent because they went in those fields of work. But like music changes so often and a lot of the people that do come to the music industry, they're not necessarily even studying music business. They're just like, oh, I studied biology. I didn't like it. I'm just going to the music industry. And now mm-hmm. they work in some corporate company and they're, you know, they sign a big record because they get lucky or whatever. Maybe they've got a taste of music. And now they're the biggest hotshot um, in their entire dreams. And they think they're you know, the winner in every way. Uh, and it's like this very like, egotistical driven industry. And that's why when I hire people, I look at kind of like how I grew myself into the industry and like, my wrongs and rights and I kind of just try and find like kids out of high school or kids right out of college that are really ambitious, really confident um, and really driven and I kind of take them and I just give them the mindset of like just be humble, understand that music is it's very luck driven getting big in the industry so like even if you're a good A&R maybe you're not signing the right records or you're not working with the right people around you or you're in a weird, like, weird environment or whatever it is. Um, exactly. So all those variables kind of change you know the people that I hire and the people that we work with. You said that you have a hard time with communication. Can you explain that a little bit more? Naturally, I'm not like a very social person. Like usually when I meet people, I, like certain days, you know, I'll go out to clubs and stuff like that. Um, and I'll talk to people and I, I can be social. Like, I can force myself to go out there and network and talk to people and people will be like, oh man, he's so nice. Such a good talker. He can talk for hours. It's like, not that I enjoy it. I just have to do it. But when it comes to breaking down communication within the company, when people have opposing opinions or someone thinks someone's doing something wrong or someone thinks someone's doing something right, uh, just figuring out how to make sure people aren't getting nef- necessarily offended over certain small things. Because, you know, if you were in a small company 
and someone calls you out for doing something wrong and your CEO or your, your boss is someone that's so young, you think, oh, maybe he's like, I feel like a lot of people think the younger you are, the less experience you have. So the more like quicker your judgments are on certain things without critical thinking. Um, and I'm very aware of that. So that's kind of like the communication breakdown for me, just understanding what people want, uh, how do people work and making sure when people have complaints or uh, positive feedback or negative feedback, whatever it is, to make sure they get heard and making sure they it gets applied to something to fix whatever they're you know they're worried about. For someone who has a hard time communicating, you communicated that beautifully. Got a question from you. So this is from a follower behind the dot. His name is Aaron Consante. What a name! So I'm gonna I'm gonna twist his, his question just a little bit. You know, if you could take you know, like one, two, three songs from your entire nation catalog the entire thing what were one two or three of your favorite songs that you guys put out i know that's a, that's a good question i mean a lot of the popular songs on the channel aren't necessarily the songs i like the most just i think it's also because i've heard them so many times so it's, it has that effect of just like yeah i don't want to hear it anymore sometimes i just go through like most of the hours of my day are just going through the channel listening to old uploads and understanding and this kind of goes off topic but not really i don't really have any favorite songs mm. but i do listen to a lot of the old songs on trap nation just to figure out like you know why a song did well or what what, what was that what was about that sound at the time that made it so popular or whatever it was but i definitely don't have any favorites on my channel if i really looked through like a thousand two hundred uploads i could probably pinpoint some but they definitely wouldn't be the biggest or even near the biggest but when you were examining those songs and you're like, yeah, why did why did this work so well? What has been some things that you've come up with? So like sometimes it's it's based on the, the trends or like Google trends or whatever or people are searching on on YouTube. I've just noticed a lot of the songs in the past on my channel that, that broke it and did really well was most just because of the song structure at the time. It was just new and people weren't hearing it. And they're they're a lot more simpler. You know, a lot of them just have like super hard eight oh eights and percussions, like simple, you know, uh FL Studio percussions. And they just I don't know, it's just easy to listen to in any environment. And I think that's why a lot of them did well. And now it's it's much more complex. It's a lot more pop. Uh, driven in terms of like songwriting and vocal features and whatnot. So it's a lot more valuable to consider when I curate music now. But back then it was it was much quote unquote simpler time. I'm back on some stats though that that are kind of mind blowing. Why why and I actually were pretty mind blown by yeah. these stats. So I saw that just for Trap Nation, you have like 1,419 uploads. Out of those uploads, there are 53.55 million views. Your views would place as the 27th largest country on the planet. Oh my gosh. In terms of population. So your 53.55 million equates to this 27th oh largest gosh. country on the planet. Yeah, I mean, I never really looked at it like that. It's definitely kind of crazy. What goes through your head when you realize that stuff? Oh my gosh. I look at some pretty big analytics. Like I'm on my analytical page all the time on my channel. So I look at like most of the, the year to date and kind of like every 28 day analytical path and patterns exactly. on my channel. So I'm kind of used to looking at bigger numbers like that. I think once the channel started to grow and develop and, and I noticed it, you know, this, I was like, oh, this is a big deal. I was like, okay, this is when it hit me. You know, now it's, it's still like, when it's not, it's not as like impactful just because I've seen it so many times. Uh, there are some numbers on my channel where I'm just like, that's insane. I think it's like minutes watched. So like if I can go to like the minute watch page, it's like, like if you put it every minute, like together of how many minutes watch my channel it would equate to like i think longer than you know, two thousand years what would might have been like back in time like your first kind of like wow moment when you did see those numbers and you were like like what was just going through your head the emotions that you were feeling because like there had to be a time when you were like whoa this is next level stuff like this isn't just me making playlists 
because I love music. Like this is like the next level stuff. There's a few phases of it. I, I don't know if you guys ever played RuneScape or any like RPG, MRPG mm-hmm. games. When I, I played a lot of video games before working in the music industry and starting Trap Nation. And I even played a lot of video games while I was running Trap Nation when I was much younger. And that feeling of like going out and saying you want to go kill like kill like some org or I don't know, a giant or something like that, right? And it drops like a super rare drop and you're like the one out of 100,000 people to get it in that month or whatever. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's that feeling kind of where you're like freaking out because I can sell it and I'm just magically like big and important in this game now. It's, it, that's the best way I can describe it because I remember when I would feel that way in certain games where I get super lucky and you're freaking out. It's like that feeling is very similar to when Trap Nation started to grow, but it was more like when the Trap Nation started to blow up, it wasn't just like, boom, a lucky drop. It was kind of like, okay, I got a lucky upload. And that's that phase of almost feeling like super excited and confident and like driven to do better and super mm-hmm. passionate about the channel. That's what kind of sparked it, that one lucky upload, which is the, it was a, it was a Miley Cyrus remix by Caked Up. Caked up. Yes, dude. Yeah. I remember that. that they, they, they went on a whole tour after that remix. Dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was first show also to find Caked Up at the time. I found him on Vine and SoundCloud. And he was like nobody. And then I started uploading him and then he blew up on Vine just because I think some girls retweeted him or something like that. I revined him, whatever it was. And then his remixes started to blow up. And that's when I kind of experienced like my channel was actually taking off. And then I started uploading more bigger remixes and after that, I was like, yo, this is this is crazy. And then obviously, checks start rolling in. The growth really comes. You see higher audience retention. You see more people coming back to your videos. You, you see more likes. You see more engagement. You just, it, it's not, it wasn't even the views. It was just like having people subscribe to my channel and come back and listen to more music. Because I couldn't monetize that remix. And I can't monetize any of these bootleg remixes. So I wasn't making money off them. It was just people people coming to my channel and actually engaging. And, and it's almost like you're, you're building uh, this giant group of friends that really appreciate this one attribute that you can have and that's like your most efficient or not your most efficient but it's like your best attribute attribute that you're gonna have um and you have all these kids that kind of just like appreciate it and And having that like having people hundreds of people tell you that when you're really young just like boosts your your personal confidence and and, like your ability to actually do stuff uh, a lot more because i wasn't like the smartest kid in school and i certainly wasn't like an a plus or b plus you know like c's and c's and b's i was very average and like having that there was just a huge confidence booster in terms of what i can actually do and what i'm good at doing as well yeah, that's so cool, man. That's hilarious that, that it was that video that kind of was like a big realization because, yeah. you know, I'm sure that Wyatt and I both remember exactly when that song popped off. Oh, and that's just so good. That's so cool that you were like right in the heart of it and you were there. Like you were the reason for it. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. I worked out to that song so many times. You, Andre, are the reason why I had a six pack one time. So thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome, dude. If you could take all of the nation population and actually form a nation, what would be your national animal? Good question. I don't know. People are usually like, oh, what animal you'd be if you could be an animal? That's the, that's the exact tone that they used, too. Like, that was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It could be like a raven or something like that. Nice. Really, I think ravens are pretty smart. Mythological creatures are also, you can also go off into there if there's a certain creature. I just do like a super big raven then. That's <laughs> Like the size of those things, uh, those flying uh, birds that people can ride, like the size of one of those, but it's this huge raven. It should just be a black bird. I don't know. Just like a super big raven. <laughs> if YouTube didn't exist, where would you see yourself today? You know, because I feel like YouTube was, was a really, really awesome tool to help you build your entire company. So like, where do you, where do you think you would be without YouTube? Yeah, I I always think about this honestly. Like this is the one thing where I'm always like, imagine if I if I didn't pursue this as yeah. like a real time career. Imagine like if I didn't just happen to start this channel. Um, and then sometimes it's like super scary because when I was in school, I, when I was like 12, my whole thing was like, I already knew I wasn't going to college. I was like, there's no way I'm going to do another four years after I graduate 
the school to go pursue something that I'm, I'm honestly probably not going to enjoy. Like I tried to figure out everything that I'd like, and I was pretty early on this when I was like 12, 13, I, I didn't have the unrealistic thing. Like, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a police guy. Like whatever, like everyone else was saying at the time, I was like, dude, what's the one thing that's going to make me a lot of money so I can live a happy life. And like, that's a super negative way or not, not, not negative, negative, but it's very like two dimensional way of thinking mm-hmm. how to live life. I was saying, exactly. Uh, and it was either, being a lawyer or it was working and I figured this out that you'd do a lot of school for it. I was like, whoa, I should just do programming because it's the one thing I can learn online without school. And it's it's like it's still it was still in that beginner stage where high schools didn't teach programming. So I was already ahead of the curve if I went on like Khan Academy or whatever or Code Academy. I started learning, you know, even the HTML or CSS. So that's literally what I started doing. So when I was like 12, 13, I just go online and I'd I'd just try and figure out how to uh, code in like CSS or HTML or or JavaScript or Java or whatever, Python, whatever is Ruby. And I got pretty good at coding websites. So I, I started when I was like 13, 14. I was I was really heavy into like coding websites for other people. Uh, they weren't like super nice websites or anything like that. But I, you know, I get paid like 100, 200 dollars. I just remember the first time I actually got a decent paycheck was um, in New Jersey. I think I was 14, turning 15. So it was like right before I started Trap Nation. I worked. I remember sitting on my couch during Christmas time with my family, and I was on my laptop for I'm not, I think it was like over 14 hours. I during what? Christmas with my family, and this is the only time I, I wasn't actively like engaged with my family within a holiday like that. And, and I was just sitting there coding this guy's website because he, he gave me like this stupid deadline. I was like, oh, I'm so professional. I'm going to meet it no matter what. I got the website done in like 18 hours because I just kind of procrastinated. He gave me like $300 for it. But when you're that young and you get that paycheck and, and you realize like, yo, I just put so much time into this. And I'm talking like, it's an hour straight on my computer, just like eating pasta, drinking water. Just it was so almost feel, it felt so vigorous at the time. Obviously, like I work long hours now, so I'm used kind of used to that. But at the time when you're that young, it just feels like such a huge accomplishment to actually get paid for your work. And when you go to school and you put all these hours in school, that's when when I started realizing that I really didn't want to go to school because when I went to school, I put all these hours in it, and I was just spending so much of my time learning stuff that I just didn't think was valuable at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just like really um, skewed my kind of vision on school and, and education as a whole. And then I kind of realized when I started getting a little bit older, like 16, 17, and Trap Nation started to really grow. Why don't I just drop as many classes as possible, take like the, the mandatory classes. I almost did this like not on purpose. I think it was by accident, but I'd go to school and I'd learn like how teachers teach students. So I'd be like, okay, how, what is my, why does my teacher have a job? How do they teach me? And how does my, my soul ter- so, uh, social interactions with them influence like how I'm learning because right I, I don't necessarily like any subject I just like the teacher that's teaching them so if I, if I have okay. a really good teacher in history I'm gonna love history and then I had a year where I had a really good history teacher I loved history but then next year I, year, I almost failed it I was gonna um, F at the end of the class because they hated the teacher so much and it made me hate history so much and that's like a terrible thing to say obviously um, but I tried to figure out why that was the case because when I realized that I was like school is so based on the people that are teaching you if my teacher's not good or it can't it can't necessarily teach the way that I learn because I'm a very visual learner I'm not audio um, learner so mm-hmm. when I had my last history teacher he was just audio he would only like talk Ugh. and you have to write the notes and I suck so bad at it so I was, I was like this guy's not gonna like change his teaching ability. I was very like arrogant at the time, obviously, but I was like, not going to change his teaching way. I'm not going to pay attention in class. Uh, and what I did was I just bought the textbook off Amazon and I just learned it. <laughs> I just take my own notes at my own free time when I got home. And I did, you know, I didn't do that well in the class, but that's kind of when I realized I was like, yo, why don't I just like, I, I, I know what I'm, I know how I can learn now. I know how I can learn yeah, yeah. in a certain way. Why don't I just buy the books and go home and do it myself? And that's what I did for most of these classes. And that's kind of, that's how I learned a lot of like the stuff that I know today. And that's how I kind of like almost breezed through high school in a way to 
to also use a lot of my time to still work on Trap Nation. I was like listening to another podcast the other day and like you mentioned like how school and like how it's just, it seems like it's not really efficient. And if you really think back at it, like uh, this guy that I was listening to, he kind of like accredited everything back to like the industrial revolution in our country and like how everything was factory driven and like the whole country kind of like went into that factory driven mindset. Yeah, like a golden age almost. Yeah. And we're still like stuck in it. If you think about it, like when you go to class and you're in, you know, lower middle and high school, like you show up at seven, eight or nine o'clock right. and between each period, a bell or a whistle or a light like tells right. you to get up and move to the next station and you sit down and you do exactly what somebody else instructs you to do. And then you, the light goes on again, you get up right. and you go to the other thing. Oh my gosh. And it's yeah. mind blowing. Yo, it's Terrible mind memories. Blowing. I mean, I'm only 21, so I, I I graduated three yeah three years ago now. Yeah, so I, like, I, feel, I have some memories fresh in my head. And I hate them. You know, and so like that's what's so crazy is that, and then you even mentioned too, like having how certain teachers can help you learn, and because you can relate to them on a personal level, right. and then some of them can't. And like I I had that experience too, and it's funny you said history because I had an experience with a history teacher as well, and like that's just mind blowing how like that you realized at such a young age to where you were like, I don't need all of this stuff right now. And I'm going to do this to make sure I can still get the things done that I need to get done, but I can pursue the things that I really, really want to do and spend more time on. And I think that that's just a really cool mindset that I think more and more people need to start having that, you know, just because you're in high school doesn't mean that you need to just be like, I'm here with the system. I'm going to plug in the system and keep going at the system. It's like, no, if you still want to do something like just make it happen. No, no, totally. I agree. And I wish more people thought like that, but that's, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're putting this education system, it's not that easy to think outside the box in that sense. And that's, I don't think that has anything to do with intelligence. I think it's just being self-aware. I think it's just being self-aware of your surroundings and understanding, understanding like, what, what's best for me as a person is as, as an individual and not just like another uh, numeric code inside a, a massive education system, especially, exactly. especially public school. Kudos to the American education system. Anyway, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how it works um, anymore. I know they change a lot of the courses and stuff, but I don't know. When I went there, um, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. I completely agree. This is actually something that I'm like profoundly passionate about, you know, like the, the concept of education and stuff. And especially when it comes to college, I don't think you have to get, a degree, but I do think you have to get an education. However that comes, if it's through books or YouTube videos or word of mouth or whatever that is, I understand that sometimes degrees are needed. Like I would hate to go to a doctor who doesn't have a doctorate. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think college is, I mean, having a degree and that certification for certain, uh, certain career paths is super valuable. And I, I, I totally agree in that sense. And I, I would not never trust a dentist who, um, <laughs> go to dentistry school and didn't get uh, graduate from it. I just got certified on Linda. Heart surgeon like that. No matter what. I feel this cavity on YouTube, man. I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, let me learn a on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. It's like, for me, I don't hire people with college degrees and, and mostly because I don't have one. Um, I just, I'll meet the person in, in, in real life and I think if they're personally driven, if they have really good attributes as, as a person, um, they're really willing to learn. They're willing to work really hard. Those are some of our hardest working employees. The guys that kind of just like had random degrees in college that had no idea what they were going to do. And they're like, oh, wait, music seems pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And they just take like their, you know, their attributes and they apply it to the music industry. And all of a sudden they're like some of the best um, people that I've worked with. And that, you know, that's kind of how it works for me. But totally. obviously other industries, it doesn't work that way. For whatever reason, tomorrow, heaven forbid, YouTube in, in, in its entirety just disappeared. What would be your kind of like to keep to keep the nations going where would be your next main focus to really grow them and to 
keep going? Um, I mean, I have that mindset all the time. Never, never, you know, my whole thing was, you know, I built my company off YouTube, but don't rely on another person to kind of pay you. Um, and, and don't hold all your, all your eggs in one basket is a, is a really good analogy for that. So that, that everyone uses, obviously. Uh, we, we run a pretty full service record label. We sign a lot of songs um, that aren't just big on YouTube. Actually, a lot of them aren't big on YouTube. They're very big on Spotify or Apple Music, or maybe they get streamed a lot in SiriusXM, you know, whatever it is. Uh, we try and make sure a lot of our revenue sources aren't just coming from YouTube. Yes, it happens to be that our, one of our largest uh, revenue sources is from YouTube still, um, but our goal is to kind of have a, a few competing revenue sources. We're like, okay, we can be fine without um, YouTube now paying for us and stuff like that. So I, I, we just, we'd go, uh, personally, that I'd go in the record label business. Um, I'd probably like sell the company to some major label or some company and just get like a, I don't know, some salary job there and just keep it going. But if that's that's if YouTube failed, that's that would be like plan to see. If you could create the first digital nation that was actually recognized by the other nations of the world, what would you do? Like, what, what would it be like for you if you could create your own digital nation? I don't know, that's a hard question because I always look at American politics and, and the government system that we're in now. If I think my life is hard, I imagine being, oh, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe Congress people don't have hard lives. But I, I assume with how many necks breathing down your, your like shoulder and how many yeah. people how many opinions you have to listen to. It's not easy listening to like millions and millions of opinions and making decisions. Uh, that's why a lot of the wrong decisions gets made or decisions gets made in the political system because these these corporate people or these political people all sit in a, this little friend group of like eight different people and they say, hey, this is right. Everyone's like, oh yeah, that guy said it's right. It's right, it's right. <laughs> yeah. And all these people are like, yeah, it's right. It's this, let's, let's do this. And then they do it. And then the 300 million citizens of this government or of this country are like, wait, no, that's wrong. It's terrible. And it's just like balancing what's wrong and right. And, and you know, a lot of these people, they're going to sit in their groups and they're going to be old about it and they're going to be, okay, let's, let's think traditional. How do we make sure... Uh, America stays to its roots and they'll just have this one answer and they're like, all right, that's the best answer. And then they'll go implement it and all of a sudden everyone's like freaking out. That's, that's terrible. It's terrible. And, and all these guys are like, no, no, they don't know what's best for this country. And it's, it has this whole like, <laughs> it's just a recycle. Like it goes back and forth. It's like you started from one and you're just going right back to one every single time. And it's just like, that's going to be the political system forever. And I don't think it's ever going to change in that sense. And that's why, you know, democracy got created, but it doesn't work that way. And so we're chilling, but you know, I don't know. I, I can't speak in politics because I'm not involved in politics and I also didn't vote. So I have no right to speak about it. Andre, quick question about the, uh, the digital country thing. Cause I think this is interesting. Have you seen the movie uh, ready player one yet? No, I haven't. I won't ruin it for you. Um, I will. It's, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a Steven. It's a Steven Spielberg. Anyways, nevertheless, it's pretty much about in the future how government is completely destroyed and everybody is on top of everybody, and right. technology is like completely empowered and kind of overthrown everybody's day to day culture. And the reality is so terrible that people go into this virtual reality to get away from their their real lives and they right. have all these fantasy lives and there's everything that you could possibly do in this virtual realm. What would be into what, what I'm kind of getting at is that, you know, if you did become a digitized country and were the pioneer of that, how would you, I know that you wouldn't want to be the president of it, but how would you want to formulate it? You know, in right. the sense of like, it, think of it kind of like your, like your video games back in the day, like how would you, what would your dream kind of like nation realm be? You know what I mean? Right. No, totally. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Black Mirror. There's a few Black Mirror episodes on this, I'm pretty sure, as well. <laughs> not not as specific as this, but it's like, how do people escape their real lives to a virtual world and they can do whatever they want? And, you know, it gets a little scary in that sense. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of the question, too, is like, you yeah. know, how could I you totally do that? Get, I totally get it. And, and I've, I've, I think I've kind of thought, I put some thought in before a while ago when I, when I get, like, super intellectual about certain things. Like what, do, what do humans 
need. And I think that's lacking a lot. I think it's mostly just like going outside or going on hikes or doing stuff that's like away from notifications and cell mm-hmm. phones and, and, and MacBooks. And I used to think that that was like useless. I was like, oh, only old people say that. You know, like, only old people <laughs> like say to get rid of their phones. If I created a digital world, I would do it almost like this really beautiful, like green, you know, like just like, like a super like nature inspired landscape, but like very, very green, very flat, like mountain, mountains in the background, ocean on the side, whatever it was. Well, I could obviously be much more descriptive in the sense of what it would look like, but I've never lived in a landlocked city. I've always been near water, and that's my one thing. Like, I, I can't imagine living in a landlocked city. I know a lot of people that, that live in, like, Colorado or whatnot, and they love it because they see the mountains. But for me, it's like, yo, if I'm not seeing water or an ocean next to me, it almost feels like I'm stuck because, you know, water goes far. You know, if you look at the Atlantic Ocean, it goes all the way to Europe. It goes all the way to yeah. Africa, whatever it is. And, like, you know that if you just jump in this ocean you start swimming yeah maybe you're not going to make it all the way to africa or you're not going to make it to the you know the european side you just know that you can reach it if you just keep going and going and going and i think having that feeling is kind of weird to me but it's also super like it's just a nice feeling it's just an, it's just a really cool feeling to know that you have this massive area just that's just sitting there and you can just go in it would there be giant ravens there i don't know if i do giant, a little scary well they'd be friendly ravens i do i like dogs i like animals a lot so you had an interview with midham is that the one that you just did a couple months ago it's a panel that i did so you mentioned in that panel uh that when you started there was two channels that were similar to you and one of them was all trap music and all things trap so i just barely like before we hopped in here I checked the stats on it, and uh, All Trap Music is 1.5 million subscribers, and uh, All Things Trap is 500k. But you come in at a whopping 21 million subscribers. What happened? I have no like say what they've done wrong because I think every channel is very. I, I don't know the way to describe it. It's, it's very based on like the personality people that are running it and, mm. and their behaviors when they think it's right and wrong, and that's and that's a huge thing when you're creating music. You have to know. Uh, it's a 50-50. Like you have to trust your instinct, but you also have to trust data. You have to understand, yeah, sometimes taking risks and going against data is a good idea. And sometimes following data for your general uh, majority of uploads is a really good idea. So it's just like that consistent factor. Factor, And I think a lot of those channels at the time, trap music was pretty new. They would just upload kind of like whatever was coming out. And I don't think they had massive realization on curation and uh, those guys are cool that run this channel i've met them before they're great guys uh, i think a lot of the curators on youtube are very intelligent people but at the time my whole thing was i'd, I'd go on those channels and i'd look at what they'd upload and I'd say hey like i like this song but i don't like that song mm-hmm. and i like that song but i don't like that song and it's kind of like 50 50 like some of the uploads i hate and some of the uploads i love so i was like yo why don't i just upload all the stuff that i love and i'll uh, anything that sounds similar to that realm i'll just upload too because i, I think it's good and it just mm-hmm. happens to be that my music taste was trustworthy in that sense. But everyone, everyone's music taste is subjective. You know, it, it changes. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it just happens to be that I have this, like, music taste that's generally pretty common, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very selective or exclusive. I just upload what I like, and I think it's cool. And people uh, react well to it. So I, I don't really know what... I don't think they did anything wrong. I think it's just different tastes of music and more people attracted to my channel because I had, I had more, like... Uh, common taste of music almost, if you want to put it. So it sounds like SoundCloud has been an extremely great avenue for you to like find music and to find those hidden gems. Right. So with everything that's been going on with SoundCloud and, and how everybody kind of is thinking that it's kind of on its last few threads and, you know, Apple Music is kind of taking over. Spotify is obviously the big hitter right now. Um, where, where do you kind of foresee you know, the structure of origination for your channel, you know, becoming in the future, you know, is it going to be strictly submission based or, you know, are you going to dive more into, you know, the deep realms of Spotify in the future? You know, like how, how does that look in terms of, of, of what you have in the future? 
Yeah, kind of like Sound Discovery. Um, Correct, yeah. I mean, I, I use SoundCloud a lot. I, I think it's a great platform, and I think it'll always be relevant as long as the people are uploading onto it. I don't think it's ever going to mm-hmm. die unless those people stop uploading to it and they find another platform. Like, that music needs to have a home. Um, and yes. if there's a different home than SoundCloud, I'll just go to that new home. And I definitely don't think it's Spotify because Spotify doesn't have, um, you know, it, it's, it's just not SoundCloud. SoundCloud's very, you know, you upload music with samples in there, maybe little remixes and their bootlegs. And maybe it'll get taken down, but sometimes they're not getting taken down. I think exactly. YouTube is still is, is a really good second option to where producers could go um, yeah. instead of SoundCloud to kind of upload that music because YouTube has really great deals with major labels and a lot of the music doesn't get taken down on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it gets claimed and people get paid and everyone's happy. I don't. I don't think Spotify is ever going to be uh, a tool for discovery. I think it's always going to be for moods, no matter what. And I think Apple Music is going to take over that like official discovery kind of platform, where it's like, yeah, you have to go through TuneCore or whatever, some distributor, get your music on us. But you'll find yeah. a lot of dope artists on Apple Music as well. Um, and I'll discover some dope artists on Spotify and, and Apple Music as well. But mostly, I still think SoundCloud is the place to be, and it won't really change my music taste, no matter what. Uh, or kind of like how I'm, I'm finding music. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Because uh, a lot of the music I get still to the channel are mostly submissions anyway from on the email. So yeah, I, I check SoundCloud more than any other platform still to this day. I think that that was my last question, to Ooh, be honest. Is this where we say goodbye to Mr. Cole? Yes, unfortunately. Thank, Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. All right, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Peace. Cole. Do you have any desire at all to ever become a producer? No, I tried once a long time ago. I just didn't. I wasn't really like into it. Really? So like the music creation process just isn't in it for you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I'm very, uh, I'm patient with a lot of stuff, but I don't know. I, I've never really gotten that interest. I mean, I was interested at one point I tried it and I was like, oh, I actually don't like doing this. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't do it. But yeah, it interested me at one point and I found out that I wasn't really that interested in it. So I've never really been, thought about it anymore. A lot of people asking it though. They're always like, Oh yeah. Would you like to produce music so you can upload on your channel? I'm like, eh, not really. Um, but I do like creating stuff. Ah, I see. So the photography is more so your creative outlet. If there was one question that I asked you during this interview and you're like, Wyatt, that's the one. I love that question. I just love it when people ask that question. What would that question be? Yeah, I get, I get asked a lot of questions sometimes. Uh, that's, that's mostly why I was like, oh, this could be a cool interview because I think you guys don't ask traditional questions into the intellectual side of stuff. And Sometimes I'm just like, oh, I'm not, I, I just don't want to. Like, sometimes it's like, you know, talking about it, it's such a drain off the mind. It's like, after I'm done doing it, I just feel like I like, accomplished a six-mile run. And other times, I'm like, yeah, I really want to talk about it. I just figured something out that I think is like some crazy thing that I thought was just crazy. But I don't know. I don't know what a perfect question is. It's, it's hard. Within the last, let's say within the last year, what has been the deepest thought that, that it kind of describes that situation that you have? You're like, man, this is so deep. I want to tell someone about this. You know, like, what, what, what's an experience you've had like that in the last year? sober like with with no drugs involved like i did shrooms once and i had this massive thought process and i just went so deep that i've never thought about before and i actually hated it and i I was like i never want to do this again because it it changed my entire perspective of a lot of things that i thought were totally fine and then now i started worrying about them i was like yo i just created this whole stress anxiety factor into my life that i've never had before i'm I'm naturally not stressed over a lot of stuff i've had this massive realization last six months I must go to a doctor because I don't think it's depression. I think it's more or less like realizing what I enjoy doing and what I don't enjoy doing. And I think I just get bored with things very, very fast and I have to keep things interesting. Um, and that's just like 
you know, a social thing that I just have. Like I get very bored of things. I'm very patient, but I also get very bored of doing mundane things every day. And that's why I like music industry. But that's why I also hate it. Cause like when you run your own company, you can only do so much. And yeah, like, is there any like real reason of doing what I do other than just getting myself paid and living the life that I want to live? Like who, who am I impacting? Am I making a positive change on anyone else's life? And, and at least I can say, yeah, I've done a pretty good job at like making sure other people are, are getting paid and, and, and having a great life. Because I'd say a lot of the artists on Trap Nation that have, that have put on and, and really helped develop and, and put their music on there, yeah, they're, they're now internationally touring DJs and they have their own self-careers. And, and yeah, maybe I, did, I definitely didn't build their careers. You know, that's, that's based on them. It's a lot of artists on my channel that, I, that have millions and millions of views, but they're not touring and they just didn't really utilize that. Um, and, and that's surrounded based on their teams, but I'd say giving that chance to people and just like hey, saying, you know, giving a chance of, of a million people to see a song, that's what really motivates me to keep doing what I'm doing because there's, there's a lot of channels that can't do that. And I think that's like a huge attribute in the music industry. And that's, that, that's what music I think needs because a lot of it's so payola driven. And, you know, if you have a rich dad or a rich mom or whatever, a rich family, um, it's pretty easy to get big in music. You just buy productions, you buy the promo, you buy the radio plays, whatever it is, and now you're the next biggest DJ in the world. And that's how a lot of these DJs get big, unfortunately. For me, I, I don't come from money or, or like a really successful uh, family or anything like that or a successful environment. So just being able to do what I do for the right reasons is always super important for me. And it sounds corny, but that's that's truly like why I do what I do. Because if, if I didn't benefit anyone else, and that's why I like employing people as well, because it's like, it's very hard to get a well-paying job in the music industry, unfortunately, in the entertainment industry in general. Um, and just being able to to fund that and hire people right out of college and say, hey, I want you working for me, and I'm going to give you a sick job, and you're going to get a sick pay, pay salary, and you're going to get health benefits in the whole nine yards, and they can work comfortably without worrying about their next paycheck uh, makes me happier because I think that's a huge issue right now in the, in the millennial younger culture, especially coming out of college with the debt that people have. What really makes you happy is providing these opportunities. You know, maybe maybe people won't utilize the opportunities as well as they should, but you still, you're still bringing that opportunity to the table. You're still utilizing the gifts and talents and, and resources that you have so that people can have a better life, right? Right, is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I, I think I can only do so much for artists um, and that's why I started Record Label and that's why we're developing artists because I want to be more involved in their careers. But when I was running the channel, I, when I wasn't doing that, my whole thing was like, hey, I'm giving you I'm giving you the kickstart till step seven. All you have to do is, is engage with these people that like your music, uh, keep making good music, really put the work and the time into making sure uh, your music gets heard and then you can keep going on my channel because I'm not going to re-upload the same people if they're uploading trash music or if they're making trash music. Totally. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of these people, I think, take it for van- advantage and they're just like, oh yeah, dude, whatever, like, you know, Trap Nation upload. And that's fine. Like, if you want to think that way, that's completely fine and I totally get it and that's your mindset. But there's a lot of these artists where they'll get uploaded and they just freak out and they like, try so much harder to get another upload. I'm going to engage with these people. I'm going to make sure uh, everyone from this upload is going back to my Instagram and, and following me and I, I comment to them and I reply to them and I talk to them and engage with them and make them feel so special. As a, as a unique individual, as, as a real fan. And that I think that's the way that most of these people should and, and, and have to kind of treat these promotional channels because we can only do so much and it's not our jobs to grow these artists. It's, it's our job to promote good music um, and make sure it's heard. So totally. I, just think, I think understanding those boundaries and those differences is really important. This is really enlightening and I'm really glad that you're, that you're saying this because when I was going to Icon Collective, there was a teacher there that was, I'm not, I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a teacher there basically, you know, giving me the spiel that, you know, like these YouTube promotional channels or these Spotify playlists, you know, whoever's at the head of it, whoever, you know, you send your promos to or your demos to or whatever, they are just like these heartless, these soulless, like these people who will exploit you and who just don't care about you. And most of the emails that you, that you send to them just go directly into their, you know, automatic deleted folder. 
but you're saying that's not true. I don't know. I mean, if that's that, that's that teacher's experience, then maybe it is true. I mean, what I always say, the truth is based on the majority. So if that really does happen to 90% of the channels, it is true. And I, I can't oh, I say see. it's false. But for me as a person, the way that I run my company, I can't check every single email. Obviously, I try and check as many as possible. And there is a chance that your your music obviously won't get heard. Um, but I do my best to my possible will to make sure I'm hearing that music. And I'm very proactive about finding music, music uh, musicians and uploading new artists that deserve that kind of promo. And that's just, and I'm young, so I, I understand how hard it is to grow from the bottom. And so I understand the amount of pain, not pain, but like the amount of time and effort and just like failure they're going to go through just to get that one big upload or maybe just get the, get the curator to hear your song. Um, but I do also think that, you know, a lot of people from Icon will send me music and a lot of it's like good, but it's, it's not like, it's not like screaming at me. It's amazing. You know, it's, it's just good. Yeah. I replied to most of those kids that send me music from Icon and I've gotten some submissions where, you know, they're very, very formal and they're very uh, good at emailing me. So I email them back because I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. They learn that at school. I don't know if they learn that there, but you know, they, they understand how to talk to me. Obviously it's a bit annoying when people submit me music and they may they made me think, or they might think it's good, um, but it's really just like trash. Some of these people will send me dubstep, and they'll be like, "Hey, will you upload this, dude?" I'm just like, "Bro, listen to my channel. Like, I don't upload dubstep. I don't upload. I don't upload rhythm. I don't upload uh, house music to trap nation. Like, if you're gonna send me music, send me music that's appropriate and listen to my channel and understand what my my taste is. Because if you're not gonna respect my job and what I've built on my my channel, how why am I why should I respect you as an artist? Um, so that's why I go on SoundCloud and I find a lot of the music as well because it's like I can. You know, I can scavenge third and find music that I think is cool. Yeah, obviously, what I go through is not on the scale of what you go through, but I go through what you're talking about right now, where people, you know, they'll send me emails, you know, regarding like in the DAW or behind the DAW or whatever it is, and they didn't do their due diligence. They didn't, they didn't do the proper research that that would have took five minutes to understand. <sighs> no, totally, and it's just like. And I totally, there's a lot of artists that they hate me and there's a lot of managers that hate me and ask me, there's a lot of people that certainly dislike me because of, of how strict I am on what I upload. And they're just like, oh, dude, he's so like uh, pretentious or not, not maybe not pretentious, but he's so like, subjective. Like some days he'll say yes, some days he'll say no, whatever it is. And they'll hate me on me and say I'm like the worst person in the world, whatever it is. And that's fine. Like I, I will give you credit. They can say that all they want. It doesn't mean it's true, obviously, but there's reasons behind a lot of the decisions that I make. Sometimes I don't reply to all my emails, obviously, because if you're going to send me a song and it's just like a simple 808 with some percussions, why, why even reply to it? Like, what's the point at that point? But if it's a really cool song, it has potential, the top line's really cool, or whatever it is, maybe the production's really cool, but the mixing and mastering sucks. I'm just like, yo, dude, like, you need better mixing and mastering. And they'll reply back, be like, okay, I'm on it. And they send me back another demo, and it sucks. I'm like, yo, dude, send me the thems. I'll get this mixed master because I think it's a sick song. And I'll get mixed and mastered and send it back to them. And then it's their song. I don't take a cut of it or anything like that. I just upload it on YouTube and it does really well. Um, because I think a lot of you know, these people that send me music, they're so young where they don't understand how to do a good mix and master. And that does matter a lot for a lot of the songs I upload. So I've done it a few times where people would send me like mix and masters. The production is great. Top line's great. Everything about it is great. I don't know how they got such a good top line, but they, they somehow got it. And I'm just like, yeah, this is sick. This has the potential to do well. I'm going to help you because you know, I have the ability to help you. Like why, why not help you at that point? So this has been truly enlightening. And I have one, one final question for you. And then I probably should go eat dinner with my family. Perfect. So the final question that I have for you, you know, if we were to take, you know, if we were to look at the totality of your life, so this could, this, your answer could be related to, to the nations or it could not. But if you look at the totality of your life, what is something well, like a hardship or a trial that you've went through that you're like, when you went through it, you're like, man, this is the worst thing ever. But you came out and you're like, I'm really glad I went through that because 
because you benefited from it somehow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like a huge, like life changing moment. Yeah. Um, and maybe to make it easier, what's something that's not trap nation or sorry, the nations related. And then what's something the nations related? Uh, I say non-relation, non-nations related. When I was really young, I used to do, there was no common sense involved. I wouldn't even think twice about it. It was like, there's a whole thing where I'm in this friend group and they had eight beyond it. And I was like, Oh, it must be cool. <laughs> and then I get in a lot of trouble for it. And it's, I'm not going to go into detail of what exactly I did. I, uh, to the point where my parents would like scream at me and just hate me. And I, and they would, I feel so bad for them at the time because, man, they went through so much with me. Mm. But what I did, I think, really helped me to be who I am today and learn just really like what's right and wrong. And, and, you know, just certain social situations where, you know, you have to think about what is really right and wrong and like without your friends' opinions or without your surroundings' opinions and just think like, is this something that's smart to do? Is this going to, is this outcome going to be intelligent? Is it, is it going to benefit me in any way possible other than making people around me laugh? And, and, that, and I learned that from a really young age. So I think that helped me a lot. And then nation driven, I really only started running the company for the last three years. So I'd say two years really. Um, and that's kind of when I started hiring people and taking it really serious. I think it's just like trusting people. I, I give a lot of trust to my employees and I let them do a lot of things that other companies wouldn't do. And that has its negatives and it definitely has its pros for sure. Sometimes more negatives than pros and sometimes more pros than negatives. It's the way that you handle it. I think it's just trusting people and then giving the ability to someone that may do something better than you to actually do it and not being offended by it. And that's a huge thing for me as well. Like running, running company, I used to get almost offended where people were like, yo, this song sucks. And now I'm kind of just like, yo, maybe like I'm not the mastermind I thought I was when it comes to music. Maybe like this guy actually does have better taste than me. And so I, I, I always listen to people's opinions and I always take them in uh, as equally as everyone else. I treat everyone as equal as possible. And if, if there's someone unhappy in my company, I, I try and make sure it gets solved. Um, and it's just like listening to people and, and being open-minded is a huge factor of running a company. Just being open-minded, uh, listening to people and not being offended when you do, you've done something wrong. Just learn when you've done something wrong, learn from it, and then just do it better next time so you don't do it wrong. Uh, and that's like huge for any, that's huge for any working environment. Um, if you have that ability where you don't get offended and nothing is ego-driven when you do, uh, when you work, yeah, you know, I, I think you'll be, you know, you'll work your way to the top pretty, pretty quick. Because a lot of people that work in the industry, music industry are very ego driven. You know, they'll, they'll just take everything to an offense as much as possible. And it's just, it's a terrible habit to have. And it's like some people won't realize it until it's too late. They're already like 32 or 33 and they're pretty low. The, the food chain, they don't understand why. And they'll, and they'll never understand why because they have such this like hateful mindset on, on what they do and, and the people around them. Or you can look at it from a positive way, and this is almost just being optimistic, optimistic about everything. Um, which is funny because I got a smiley face tattooed on my hand because I'm always like, "Hey, it would be cool to have a smiley face here." Whatever I'm in like a bad mood, just be look at the smiley face. I'm like, "All right, look at the look at the good side of everything, um, and just treat everything like the half of you know, the glass is half full, or whatever the saying is." Thank you so much for coming on. If you and I, if we were to create a call to action so that the listeners would do something after listening to this, what would be that perfect call to action? Would it be to subscribe to one of the nation channels or what would you like them to do? I, I would say like, if you're going to take up anything personal from this, this podcast, if you're, if you listen all the way to that and you, you can hear me now, obviously um, I would just like learn to be self-aware and self-conscious of like what you're doing and, and what is actually intelligent or smart. And I don't want to go too deep into it, but just like why, why you're doing what you're doing and making sure it impacts someone else's life in a positive way. Perfect, man. Thank you so much. Did you have a good time doing the podcast? Yeah, dude. I love talking. It's like one of my favorite activities now. That is freaking amazing. Thank you so much. Um, any any final words from you? Um, no, dude. I mean, I'm glad you do these kind of like cool intellectual podcasts. I think it's it's pretty interesting. Um, I listened to Lucas James one. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. That's um, awesome. so I was like, oh, I can relate to this. So no, I think I think you're doing something super cool. Um, and I think more people need to talk about 
what's behind the scenes and less than what's in front of the scenes because totally. you know everyone sees what's in front but no one knows what's behind Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Daw. We really hope you enjoyed it. Did you enjoy the questions that we asked or would you have liked to hear different ones? If you're listening to this on iTunes or any other podcast related app, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. And if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, make sure to like, comment, and follow. And we'll see you next time on Behind the Daw.